0: Welcome to this meeting of Addictive Eaters Anonymous. My name is Ibrahim and I'm an Addictive Eater. Hi everyone. If we could start the meeting with a moment of silence and then I'll read the preamble. Addictive Eaters Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from addictive eating. The only requirement for for membership is a desire to stop addictive eating. There are no dues or fees for AEA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AEA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other addictive eaters to achieve sobriety. If I could just ask everyone to turn off their mobile phones or put them on silent, please. And we are going to listen to Sean share Sian share her story. And um, Sean's going to share for about 15 minutes.
1: Thank you, Abraham. My name is Sean, and I'm an addictive eater. I awesome. um, just want to take the opportunity to thank all those involved putting on this workshop this morning. It was absolutely wonderful. I'm really uh, a privilege to hear the speakers this morning as well, um, to know that this is where I belong, be able to identify with others. And, um, and I just feel really privileged to be part of a, of a growing fellowship. Um, that is Addictive Eaters Anonymous. So I'm delighted to be here. Um, I wanna, I suppose, skip over a lot of my, my childhood, my growing up years, mostly because, um, a lot of it still, even to this day, is is a is a fog for me. You know, it's a it's really hazy. You know, sometimes my parents will say, "Do you remember when we went this trip?" or, "Do you remember when we went and had this party and." I don't remember you know, I don't remember these things, but um I remember just always being obsessed by food um and if I was going to any of these occasions, that was my primary focus um from as far back as I could remember um <clears throat> I wanted to eat in secret i I stole food, um we lived. We grew, I grew up on a on a housing estate in a housing estate, and <clears throat> I can remember, you know, when I was that little bit older not not by a huge amount now, but probably about five or six when I was allowed to go out and play by myself without adult supervision. Um, there's no way that my parents knew that I was leaving that housing estate and going off to different shops to buy food. And coming back and sitting in a local field, but close to that housing estate, and just eating on my own from as young as five, six years of age, um, and I would have had all of that planned and worked out in my head, you know, of how I was going to get there and how I was going to get the money to pay for all the food. Um, and a little bit later, you know, um, we also lived near. At another time, we also lived near an abandoned car park, and. That used to be the place that I would go to eat you know I'd go to the and we used to live near a shop and a takeaway and they were side by side and I would go to the shop and the takeaway and then i'd go back to this car park and um, you know and it was an abandoned car park and there'd be homeless people living in this car park you know and I, and it was surrounded by a forest and none of that frightened me um, I can remember just having the fear of I hope I don't get caught, you know, I hope I don't get caught. Um, so my eating, you know, I did I did lots of very strange things with food, you know, it, that just became my normal, like storing food in my bedroom, uh, as I mentioned already, stealing food. Um, I used to eat all my packed lunch on my way to school, <laughs> you know. On my way to school, I did all my packed lunch. And um, the patience of those that I would have hung around with in school grew very thin when I would say, I forgot my lunch money. You know, can I borrow money of off you? And I'd never pay it back. Um, or I'd say things like, I, I forgot my lunch, and, you know, um, they would give me theirs or they would give me some of theirs. And I, re- I remember particularly being really embarrassed because I'd see them. Sitting in the canteen eating their chips, and I'd watch the I'd watch the chips like a hawk, you know. And um, I can remember sitting there licking my lips, and them all laughing. And I didn't even know that I was licking my lips, you know. And they were like, "Would you like some?" <laughs> um, you know. But the majority of my eating was done in secret. Um, and needless to say, that kind of eating and the way I continued to eat, I put on an awful lot of weight, and um, I'm small, so I wasn't able to ever hide it very well, um, but it was in my teens that, um, over the course of a summer, I started to um, diet, and I started to exercise. It didn't change the way I ate at that time, but um, for the first time, I started to to, to exercise and um and the weight just fell off me you know just fell off me and I got an awful lot of attention and the sorry I should have said that the dieting did come later but the exercise that was the first point and I can remember having a very clear thought of I can exercise and not change the way I'm eating you know and uh And so that started years and years of trying to juggle what I was eating, exercising, and then dieting later as well. Um, And I went from somebody who just need, you know, who would be eating um, to restricting so much that I would just eat a slice of ham and, and a bit of lettuce on some cracker bread. You know, I just went from one extreme to the other. And today I just see it all as eating. Um I had an obsession whereby I wanted to be thin and I wanted to eat all the time. I was constantly trying to juggle the two. And um, because of the amount of attention that I was getting from the weight loss, I got involved. I suppose I started socializing with a group of people that liked to party and to keep up and to keep in with the crowd. Um, I started drinking and um, my behavior with around when, when I drank, I just loved the effect. It frightened me. Al- alcohol and getting drunk frightened me, um, but I loved the confidence that it gave me. Um, I loved feeling like I was a part of. I loved, um, I thought that by being socializing with this group of people I, I had arrived as Bill Wilson talks about you know and um, so it you know that kind of just began my uh, obsessions and my addictions with other substances later it became prescription pills because I had myself convinced I was in pain physical pain and I started to take and I, to this day I don't know where I got those pills whether I stole them I'm pretty sure I convinced doctors to give them give them to me because I was diagnosing myself and um, but I had heaps of pills that I was just taking all the time and um, and it was I suppose my behavior that uh, drew it, it just got to a point where uh, a family member in AA approached me and said um, I think you have a problem with food and um, I didn't go in there with all smiles on my face to another food fellowship. I went in kind of dragging my heels, but I had this attitude of, if I go in here for a little while, um, people will get off my back. Um, But it was described this morning, I I really got a sense of, um, I'm not on my own. And to my memory, I don't remember hearing anybody at those meetings for the first 18 months. with a solution, as I know it today, but I certainly heard an awful lot that I could identify with. So I kept coming back and um, and it was through there that I ended up in a treatment centre, which I say is a fancy fancy word for rehab, I was in there for about 5 weeks, um, completely and utterly mad because I had stopped um, eating foods with sugar and white flour in them, and I was going to meetings. And as far as I was concerned, I was I was in recovery, and um, I didn't know any different. I didn't hear anything different, and um, yeah, it, uh, I was I, I would say that I was pretty suicidal after about two years, you know, because the obsession had not left me. Um, but I I managed to be able to give a good talk and I would um, I had a, I had a, a sense of humour where I could share at meetings and have everybody laughing at my woes and my misery. Um, but I went travelling, <clears throat> and uh, I, I'd say I didn't even get to Dublin Airport before I was just off the wagon. And what I, meant, what I mean by that is, you know, I had picked up something, whatever it was, and I, I can't remember, but I, I just could not stop eating you know i could not stop eating and i went traveling and i i went to a meeting and there was something describably different at this meeting that i went to And it was another food fellowship it was about 25 well to my memory there was about 25 30 people there um just with a sense of ease a sense of calmness and there was uh they, they talked quietly, there was no kind of loud hugging and, you know, there was just no drama, you know, it was just a, a very quiet meeting and I was very welcomed there and, um, and I can remember being asked to share and um, I said something and hoping that everybody would laugh and not one person out of 25, 30 people cracked a smile and I just thought, I hope the floor just opens up, you know. It was just this sense of um I must have described something that was, you know, horrendous in my eating, hoping that everyone would find the humor side in it. And that was enough to really embarrass me, you know, it was enough to really embarrass me. And at that meeting, a woman at the end came up to me and she said to me, Um, are you willing to go to any lands to get well? And my first thought was, this woman hasn't even told me her name. It was the first thing that she said to me. She said, are you willing to go to any lengths to get well, dear? And I stopped and I looked at her and I said to her, do you do something differently to what I'm doing? And she said to me, isn't that obvious? <laughs> <laughs> um, I... uh I just remember kind of just being so disturbed you know just being like who does she think she is you know she doesn't know me you know but she really disturbed me you know because I thought "Well, what is it that she's doing that I'm not you know I'm going to meetings and you know like I said as far as I thought I was in recovery and uh, after that I don't really remember much of what she said That, but she did give me her contact number and she gave me a copy of the big book and she said, I think she said to call her. Um, and she, but what she did say was, she was said, why don't you stick around and see how we work this program? And I was due to fly out of that country the next day. And um, I remember leaving that meeting, going back to where I was staying, and just, as I said, being really, really disturbed. Going to the airport the next morning, and the whole time my head screamed at me, don't get on that plane. But I got on the plane and I opened up the big book for the first time after being around a couple of years in different fellowships, but I opened up the big book and for the first time I started to read what was going on in my head. I couldn't identify as an alcoholic at that time, but this was the first time that, you know, I could see that this was what was happening for me and this was my experience. And I wanted everybody that I was traveling with to read this book as well. <laughs> God bless them. The guy I was going out with at the time, I gave him such a hard time because he wouldn't read the book. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I I had her number and I phoned her. And the times where I would have in the past said, tomorrow I'm just going to eat this, this and this, I wasn't able to do that. I couldn't get past half eight in the morning. I just and even if i just had an apple the next morning my head was demented because i didn't say to myself that's what i was going to have i didn't know i lost i just completely lost the power of choice and i'd lost the power of choice a long time prior to that but i didn't know i had you know i i didn't know that i didn't know what was right for me to eat how much was right for me to eat what day of the, what time of the day was right for me to eat i just didn't have a clue and i phoned her and I don't know if this is something that I just created in my head, but my memory is that she'd say to me things like, just try and enjoy what you're doing. Just try and enjoy what you're eating. And I'd hang up the phone and I'd think, oh, I can't enjoy what I'm eating. I can't even eat an apple and be okay. And then the next kind of phone call I'd ring, I'd say things like, I think I need to come back to where I've, I've met these people. I think I need to hear more. And she'd say, "Yeah." sounds like a good idea. Um, And then the next kind of few phone calls, it was like, right, I'm coming back. I need to get on a plane. I need to come back. And and then she started saying things to me like, you're going to be okay. You know, when you come back here, you're going to be taken care of and you're going to be okay. And, um, you know, and I did and I was welcomed in those meetings and i got to spend time with people and i got to spend some time with some people here that are here today and and just to watch you know even outside of the meetings as well to watch people how they just go through their day how they have how they have jobs how they you know i was invited into people's homes and um, i was picked up and taken to meetings and uh you know and uh, and then you know and and they cared for me enough that you know, and I'd say they were getting direction from their sponsors. But there were times where I wasn't being offered a lift to a meeting, and I'd have to get myself there, you know. And um, and that was just for for the for my better good. And um, you know, and I asked a woman to sponsor me, and I was just willing to follow direction. I was willing to. The fight in me was up i was willing to do whatever i was told to do in order to get well and it's been spoken about how addiction swaps from one substance to the next and because i'd been around other 12 step fellowships i had them all in different compartments alcohol belongs in A.A. you know drugs belong in narcotics anonymous or you know food belongs in food fellowships and I had them all in different places and this was the first time that somebody was talking my language and I thought thank god they're talking what it's like what it's been like for me you know and um you know and they're the obvious ones I had addictions to the internet relationships spending money you know and I needed help with all areas of my life and still do today you know and um And I like what's been shared already. You know, I've been relieved of that obsession and that compulsion and all those substances, and yet I still have that thinking going on. And I need an awful lot of help with my thinking and my character defects. Um, But this program has taught me an an entirely different way to live. You know, Um, and I don't think that it's any coincidence that I... uh, I stumbled across that meeting you know I, I really don't I don't think I stumbled across recovery I can very clearly remember just before I, I got to that meeting writing a letter to God and saying you know God please help me I will do absolutely anything that you're asking me to do but don't let me put on weight you know don't let me put on weight and it, you know and i and i coming to those meetings that i described you know i uh, there was a girl there my age and uh, don't think she's part of the fellowship anymore but um you know i thought that if i just looked like her if i had her sense of clothing style if i had her job if, you know i was always comparing myself to other people and i remember her stopping me outside a meeting one day and she said if you stick around here and do what's on offer the day will come where you will no longer think about your weight size or what you look like and she got on her little moped and she zoomed off Mm -hmm. and I just thought to myself I have no idea what that must be like and today I do you know and um, you know and I I believe that that is the the grace of God something else has come in and you know and even just looking around these rooms today you know where I know we're all on this part of the hemisphere but we're all pocketed in different places and if we think about our own individual stories and just having Lunch there with a couple of members, you know that it's just no coincidence to me that we all just, you know, are here today. You know, I think that we've we've all been placed where we are, and there's something bigger at work that I can possibly even begin to comprehend. So, God willing, I'll keep coming back. Thanks for listening to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.